Growth is on our agenda, but we want to grow off the back of a really strong foundation. New Zealand will show some resilience through this, I expect. It's been a long time since I watched that movie, and from what I recall, I would have to say no. We're not like the Wolf of Wall Street. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you back for our next podcast. My name is Doug Vrame, and I'm here with Sarah Menhinnick. We're with the Capital Markets Origination Team at NZX. Before we introduce our guest speaker for today, just wanted to make a quick reminder that the information we provide in this podcast is for guidance only and should not be considered investment advice. For more information, we'll provide a disclaimer that goes into more detail on this at the end of the recording. But you want to get that out of the way before we get going. Yeah, welcome back to our Opening Bell podcast. So we'll kick it off. We've had a lot of questions coming through as we've started the year, asking to provide a bit more information about who NZX is, what's happening in the listed markets this year, and how the capital markets ecosystem will play a role in New Zealand's economic recovery. So we thought, who better to bring on to the podcast than our very own CEO, Mark Peterson. So welcome, Mark. Hi, guys. Thank you. Very happy to be here. It's nice to have you. So um, we're going to put you on the spot and get into it. Over the past couple of years, we've noticed a lot of interest from retail investors in the listed markets and in shares and ETFs and listed debt and all of the things that we do make available. So in a nutshell, Mark, can you give us like an NZX 101 on what is it that we do here at the exchange? Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, the NZX is New Zealand Stock Exchange. And I guess to explain that a little bit, We provide the infrastructure for trading, clearing and settlement of listed securities to occur. And I think if you run into what those listed securities are, they're equity securities, so the stock of a company, the share capital of a company. We've got a whole range of fixed income securities, which are dead instruments that a company might use to raise money. We obviously trade a whole lot of ETFs and funds, so people can buy and sell those on our market. And alongside that, we run a dairy derivatives market, which is one of the fastest growing markets in the world. And that enables dairy processing firms and farmers to hedge their risk around dairy commodity prices. Uh, We also run the energy market in New Zealand, which is surprising for most, but we, we provide a whole range of services to the electricity authority to enable the market, uh, the energy market or the electricity market to operate. And that spans a range of things from price formation through to settlement and clearing of those. And then alongside those core activities of the exchange, we have our SmartShares business, which is a passive funds manager that's growing really strongly. And they've got a lot of listed product on our exchange as well. And then we have what we call NZX Wealth Technologies, and that's a technology and administration platform for financial advisors. So we see that very much as market infrastructure. But if you step back from the activities that we undertake, effectively what we're doing is we're providing a a world where providers of capital, i.e. investors, can connect to companies that want to use that capital, and generally they want to use that capital to grow. So we can provide that mechanism for that arrangement to occur. We can provide trading in and around that. But it's all for the benefit of those businesses and therefore the benefit of New Zealand and and, and the standards of living that New Zealanders have. So it's got quite a purpose to it, you know, a stock exchange. And it's really at the heart of the financial markets for our country. 
Thanks, Mark. That's a really good overview. And as you say, we really are at the exchange connected to all parts of the economy and and deeply connected to growing New Zealand in terms of the financial markets and into other markets that we operate. Definitely feels like as a place to work, there's never a dull moment around the group, which is always interesting. And then getting into your own personal experience, your experience in markets goes back a lot further than your time at NZX. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, I studied at Victoria University and did a um, finance and economics degree there. I then got into a sort of a, a career in financial services and financial markets, first and foremost through National Bank of New Zealand. And then obviously when the ANZ came along, worked in that combined group for a while. So long career in banking. And then I decided to uh, venture into the broking world. Uh, and I spent time at what was then First New Zealand Capital. So that's now Jardins before um, running the broking business that ANZ has, which is called ANZ Securities, and ran that for about eight years. And it was at the um, end of that period that I actually joined the Stock Exchange. And uh, from 2017, I've had my current role here. And, you know, really, I guess I'm driven by customers. I'm driven by building a really good team around us, by trying to add value to what customers receive from the exchange. And, you know, from those sort of quite simple focuses, you'll end up getting growth and you'll end up getting growth and returns for shareholders. So, you know, really trying to sort of drive a business that's really centred around people and doing the right thing for our customers. It's interesting to hear always how people's backgrounds have led them to where they end up in their current roles. And I do think that the financial markets, for some people, can be quite opaque and it's hard to know, you know, what our day-to-day is like. And one of the things that we see often with younger retail investors talking about NZX on social media and other platforms, there's sort of this reoccurring picture of the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, because that's something everyone knows. I think some of our listeners would be quite intrigued to hear you answer that common perception, you know, is working at the New Zealand Stock Exchange anything like the Wolf of Wall Street? It's been a long time since I watched that movie. And from what I recall, I would have to say no. We're not like the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, that's a pretty out there type of movie. And it was set in a in a period which was a pretty crazy time. So no is the general answer. I think our standards are a lot higher than that. In a simpler sense, we do operate the markets. You know, we do operate the ability for you know, investors to trade and to invest into companies and then obviously, you know, take views and, and trade in and out of those businesses. So, you know, on one hand, you know, we provide the infrastructure for what that movie is actually about. But um, I wouldn't suggest that, uh, that our standards are similar at all. I would agree with that. I think we are much more sedate and we definitely try to comply with a lot more rules and regulations than they portrayed in that, in that yeah, movie. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mark, it's been, uh, we know the last couple of years from working here, it's it's been um, two really good years and, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that COVID is good for the New Zealand exchange, but can you talk a little bit about some of the big things that have happened in the past couple of years from the exchange's point of view since the emergence of COVID and how, how you've dealt with that and how, how the business has kind of responded? Yeah, no, happy to, actually. And, I'll, and I can do that in two ways. I can speak about you know, the impact on the markets and the impact on the businesses that use our our services as an exchange. And then I could probably give a little bit of colour as to as how it's impacted our business as well and our people. But first and foremost, I think, you know, COVID just threw this massive spanner in the works for a lot of businesses. 
And, you know, that provided a range of outcomes, really. In a number of businesses, their revenue lines got impacted really, really materially. And, you know, their need for capital and to raise capital quickly, you know, was heightened hugely. So, you know, we saw in the very early period of 2020, a lot of companies coming to market to raise capital. A lot of those were to protect their businesses and to get their balance sheets really set and sound for a period of uncertainty that was to come. And what I think that is, is it's basically being able to demonstrate firsthand why you're listed, you know, to have that access to capital in those sorts of uncertain times. You know, when you're a, you know fundamentally a strong business, you've demonstrated to your investors that uh, they can trust you and they can watch your business grow. You know, in a time of need, you know, the markets really came to fruition. So I think we saw a lot of that. I think the other thing that we saw is off the back of uncertainty, people just didn't know what was going to happen. And there was a lot of trading. The volatility in the markets, you know, really lifted. You know, we saw, you know, quite big price movements intraday for a number of companies. And the trader mentality can start to kick in at that stage for investors to actually trade that level of volatility and um, and try and make some money sort of through the process. So our trading levels lifted materially through 2020 and then it continued through 2021. And I think the other thing that occurred through that period is we saw a lot of people get really interested in the markets. That's a comment made not just local investors and the rise of, of retail, you know, because we, we absolutely saw a lot of that and, you know, companies like Sharesies and other um, businesses like ASB Securities and Jardin Direct and, you know, those ones that were providing DIY trading and broking services to retail investors, they did hugely well. But the other thing that people might not be quite so aware of is the New Zealand market became a lot more known internationally and we've got a lot more people connected to our market of our data products and through our um, participants to invest and trade through the market. So I think we definitely lifted trading levels. We definitely lifted uh, the number of people connected, both locally and globally. So COVID, in, a, in an interesting sort of way, provided an enormous tailwind for people to understand why it's good to be listed and, I guess, the benefit of some of the compliance obligations that you have when you're listed, but in a time of need and in a time of opportunity, the ability to raise capital was, was there for all to see. In terms of how it impacted NZX, it's quite fascinating, really, because, you know, we learned very quickly that we could basically run the business from everybody's living rooms. You know, so we've got a staff of somewhere between 250 and 300 people. And to actually think you can run the exchange, you know, from individuals' homes, our, our staff members' homes, is quite a phenomenal thing. Um, but that's basically what we had to do. We had we had periods there where we might have had less than 10 people in the office through those lockdown periods. And we've progressively sort of opened up the offices now to people to come back. So I think, you know, we saw ability to utilise technology to keep things rolling. I think what we've also seen is, is a whole lot of pressure on staff, you know, through that period because it was incredibly busy, you know, incredibly pressured. You know, we had uh, to deal with some capacity issues as the growth accelerated, um, you know, very, very quickly. And we had to do it all from home. A lot of sort of agile management, shall we say, to get through those periods. But, you know, I think when we look back on it all, I think we should be very proud of, of how we've achieved that and the level of resilience that, um, you know, not just our, our team and our people have, but, you know, what we've now done to uh, improve the resilience of our infrastructure and technology. So it's been a huge couple of years. As it's going on, you don't really realize it, but you look back and you're like, wow, that is a lot of a lot of things happening. What what do you think the um, you know, some of the biggest achievements that you're most proud of over the past 
couple of years and milestones that uh, that have been significant are? It probably covers all aspects of our business, really. I mean, you know, the origination levels um, and the capital raised and the belief that the companies have that, that public markets you know, offer real value, you know, that's fantastic. You know, nine companies coming to market in 2021. I think we had eight companies coming to market you know, through a pandemic in 2020. Our debt market was well used, you know, as an alternative source of funding for a lot of companies. So that's really embedded now in the way they think about their, their capital structure. Um, obviously, to see the trading levels accelerate, you know, that just means that, you know, people are interested in the markets and uh, and they're engaging and they're, you know, creating transactions, you know, which is it's got to be good. And then you roll right through to sort of in more recent times, a partnership that have developed with uh, STX on our dairy business. You know, that's fantastic. And and then more recently, the announcement that we've made to uh, to work together with Fonterra and EEX in growing uh, GDT, which is the physical dairy auction platform. So, you know, they're fantastic for the businesses outside our core markets area, but nevertheless still pretty core to what we do. You know, funds management business smart shares has grown incredibly strongly. You know, they're now six and a half billion of funds under management. Plus, we've bought the ASB Superannuation Master Trust business, which is another 1.8 billion. So, um, you know, growing really strongly there. And and our wealth technologies business, you know, we're up over 11 billion dollars of funds under administration. So, we've got good growth. You know, we've I'm very proud of the fact that um, that we've got growth across the business in a number of different areas. And at the same time, we've really improved the resilience and and the capacity and the security of our technology. So. A lot to be proud of, actually, and it's been a really busy couple of years. Yeah, it really has been a massive couple of years and everyone across the business has been pulling very hard in the same direction to make that happen. Building on that and looking to the future, what are some of your key strategic goals and next steps for the exchange as we get into 2022 and beyond? Yeah, certainly growth is on our agenda, but we want to we want to grow off the back of a really strong foundation. So, you know, there's a balanced approach to what we want to do. We're ambitious in uh, getting more product listed, you know, more companies listed, more funds listed, more fixed income listed, as you know. That's definitely a high priority. We want to keep the trading levels up. We want to keep the connections to our market up through our data. I think, you know, growth as an ambition is, is still front and centre for us. We've made a lot of improvements in our resilience and security of our technology platforms, and we want to keep maturing that. And our approach to risk management and scenario analysis and just planning for, you know, the unexpected, you know, I think we can get better at that. But it's going to be a challenging environment. You know, we've got geopolitical factors that we haven't seen for a long, long time. Uh, We've got economic pressures, you know, from inflation and labour markets with COVID and the implications of closed borders. You know, I think all companies are having to deal with that. It's going to be a really interesting period. But, you know, all periods are interesting, aren't they? When you actually think about history, there's always something that, you know, you've got to deal with. You know, if you're a Europe and you had to go through Brexit, you know, that would have been a really interesting time. But people sort of, um, you know, just knuckle down, focus on what the right thing is to do, what's the right thing to do by your clients. You know, how do you add more value? How do you win more business? And you keep going. So I think, you know, we will control what we can control. The world will go crazy probably around us and we'll just box on. Yeah, I think you've covered really well, you know, a lot of the elements of complexity in the market at the moment you know we do have obviously disappointingly we've had war in ukraine and there's a lot of inflationary pressures interest rate pressures other geopolitical tensions um it is a lot to navigate through and then layered on top of that you know obviously we've had to have a huge economic response and national response to 
all of the COVID factors that we've been seeing in the last two years. In your view, how will our key domestic sectors and industries continue to play an important role for our economic recovery as we do hopefully move into a new phase of coming through COVID or learning to live with an endemic COVID situation whilst we're in the middle of this sort of very difficult geopolitical time? It is going to be interesting. I think, you know, the core of New Zealand's economy, and it's probably changed over the last little while, I mean, agriculture you know, was the backbone for many, many years. And then we've had a very strong growth in the tourism sector and hospitality sectors. You know, we've still got, you know, some fantastic businesses in uh, manufacturing and technology. These sectors, I think, will keep boxing on. You will need to be some resilience around hospitality and tourism, no question. It's going to be hard. But hopefully, you know, we've got COVID front and centre with us now. You know, we've actually got the disease in the community. And I think, you know, we're well vaccinated. We've done everything we possibly can to try and manage our way through this with the least impacts possible. It's a terrible illness. We all know that and there's going to be some sad stories through it. But New Zealand will show some resilience through this, I'd expect. There'll be some sectors that will perform more strongly than others and there'll be some sectors that will probably, you know, bounce back, but maybe it might take a little bit longer. So, It'll be interesting. I think we'll just see different timeframes, you know, play out for different industry groups. That would be my pick. How do you see the the role of NZX in that economic recovery and what can NZX specifically do to, to help lead and drive the recovery and as things kind of evolve here? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, when you when you think about what we are, you know, we are the provider of the financial markets infrastructure and we're a regional stock exchange. We are here to serve New Zealand and New Zealand investors. We give the international investors the ability to access, you know, really, really good New Zealand companies and some other offshore businesses as well. So we've got to continue to do that. The really important point is that people understand having the, you know, or business owners have the understanding of the value of having access to capital. And like I said at the outset, you know, whether it is to grow or whether it is to secure up your balance sheet in a time of stress, you know, that's incredibly important. And not all sources of capital are there for you when you might want it, if you rely on other forms of, of access. So the public markets, I think, the benefits that have been really brought out into the open through these sorts of times. So we've got to keep doing that. We've got to keep making sure people understand that. We're going to be in, in front of a lot of businesses that do have really good growth prospects and, and are looking to access capital and uh, explain the benefits of all of that. You know, I think by doing those basic things and providing really sound and secure infrastructure, we provide fair, transparent and orderly markets. We build trust in our capability. All of those things together have got to be good for New Zealand and got to be good for New Zealand's economy ultimately. And, you know, when I talk about the economy, I'm not necessarily just talking about GDP or growth. It's got this massive human element to it and Standards of living is going to be at the heart of it. And I think it's a really important component of growing New Zealand standard of living. So that probably leads us to maybe our final question before we get into some rapid fire rounds. But <laughs> looking on a more positive note, what makes you excited for the next five years or 10 years when you look at NZX and New Zealand in general? We've got some great growth prospects in this business. The capitalization on those will be really strong. I think that the other key thing too is we've got three key areas of our business that have a real interconnection to them. So our capital markets business, our smart shares, passive fund manager, and our wealth technologies business, they all have these complementary opportunities with them as well. So not only can we grow them 
in their own right, which has got to be good for markets, it's got to be good for New Zealand, but we've also got an opportunity to actually unlock sort of inherent value that, that lives between each of these businesses as well. So, you know, as we grow our funds management business, it can probably do more to help New Zealand's capital markets. So I'm excited about the next five years. I think we've got the business on, um, you know, some pretty sound footing now. And, you know, I, I just see it being able to do more. Well, it's good to hear it because we're certainly, I think, at a crossroads in terms of how things are, both from COVID standpoint and uh, a more global worldwide standpoint. So it's it's good to hear you're feeling optimistic. And, um, you know, I think at the exchange, we certainly do think that there are a lot of things that we can do to help New Zealand grow and prosper. So we're trying to do that. So we will finish with some rapid fire questions. Um, you do know about this. We just use this as a round to really learn more about the people that are leading various companies and funds. So I'll kick off with the first one. Mark, have you picked up a hobby during the COVID period? And if so, what is it? The answer is not really, although my daughter dragged me into her um, Les Mills body combat classes. So I wouldn't call it a hobby, but I did try something different. <laughs> That's a good one. Not, good for, effort. Not, for, um, not for public viewing. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the gym, what are the, uh, do you have any favorite local businesses that you like to support or that you've kind of had an increase in activity in since COVID? Yeah, well, this is at the opposite end of the spectrum, really. So we have a really good Thai food outlet in our neighborhood. So um, they're called Nikon Thai. So a plug for Nikon Thai. Um, so we tried to support them through it. And I guess there's a broader question, though, isn't there, really, where, you know, you just feel for tourism and hospo and everything that's happened to those industries. So you just try and do what you can around supporting local businesses in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to have a little bit of the yin and the yang with the gym and the takeaways. <laughs> so that's good. Um, Mark, are there any words that you live by? Any sort of favourite inspirational quotes? Well, it's not so much a quote, but I don't know whether people have seen it, but there's a... There's something that's really worth listening to um, by a U.S. Navy Admiral called William McRaven. He had a speech to um, the University of Texas. It was a commencement address, actually. And it starts off by talking about if you want to change the world, you make your bed in the morning. But then it goes on to sort of talk about a number of other sort of attitudes and skills that are required to succeed in you know, today's society. But the idea of actually getting up and making your bed and <laughs> at least completing the first task, it resonates with me, put it that way. Could use that at our house. Um, <laughs> so who are some of the people that you look up to? I have a couple of – well, Sir John Anderson at National Bank was somebody that I worked really closely with for a long time and a, and a couple of his colleagues as well. So, you know, Sir John and his sort of team – you know, we were quite influential in, in sort of the way I think about work and approach problems and customer solutions and customer values and, and staff values. You know, he, from a career point of view, and a small group of people around him are pretty meaningful to me. Yeah, it's um, so important to have the right people around you, I think, when you're developing your career and you can sort of really see that coming through and people's leadership styles as they progress into really um, influential and important roles. So that's good to hear. Do you have a favourite book or a favourite podcast that you're reading right now or listening to? I read it a while back, but there's, there's a book called Shoe Dog, 
and it was published back in 2016, actually, and it's uh, it's the memoir of Phil Knight, who um, founded Nike. I found that a fascinating story. Actually, I read it some time back, but it is something that has stuck in my mind. You know, it's a great tale of drive and passion and perseverance and success, ultimately. It sits very comfortably in my memories, that one. Well, Mark, I believe that is the end of the rapid-fire round. Nice work. Um, <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us. Really appreciate it. And we hope our listeners uh, enjoyed some of the insights you shared about what we do here at NZX. As always, for those listening, if you have questions or wanted to learn more, don't hesitate to email us or reach out at podcasts at nzx.com. And that'll come to us and we can get back to you with information. So, Mark, thanks again. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, we will chat soon. Pleasure, Doug. Thanks, Sarah. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the NZX podcast. Tune in to further episodes by subscribing to our channel and let us know what you want to know more about by emailing us at podcast at nzx.com. We would love to hear from you. Until then, catch you next time. The information provided in this podcast is guidance only and intended for general information purposes. It does not constitute investment advice. NZX Limited disclaims all liability for any error, inaccuracy or omission or for any loss suffered through relying on this podcast. Proprietary rights of the podcast are owned or licensed by NZX and no part of this information may be redistributed or reproduced in any forms or by any means without the written consent of NZX.